and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. It is my show, and you are more than welcome to call in 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on this year program. In fact, I'm going to take an inflation call before we move on to January 6th, because I don't need to spend a lot of time on that anyway. Nick or Rick, you're going to be up. Welcome. Yeah, hi. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, yeah, I'm calling from Atlanta. I I want to address inflation and how, and also how stimulus checks tie in. It's a basic economic principle that I'm sure your listeners are have some understanding. But it's the supply and demand. And so, with supply, the more supply, the lower the cost. So you know, we're going through this with uh, gas and baby formula, etc that we don't have supply, hence costs are higher. On the on the demand side, the demand goes up when we give stimulus checks because more people are, are trying to have money to spend on products. So but the the stimulus checks have nothing have no effect on the supply. Mm-hmm. So so it's really, I think, in thinking of this inflation issue, really we need to be focusing on the supply side, which I know we are. And then uh, I don't see how stimulus checks help in any way regarding supply. Yeah. Okay. So the way that the way the Democrats uh, and the way Larry Summers approached this is uh, Americans needed. Uh, Americans got a lot of money to stay home from work. They were paid to stay home. Now, I, I've told you all this anecdote before. It, it is a true story. Cross my heart. Hope that I stick a needle in my eye. Philip and I were in Las Vegas uh, during the pandemic. It was taken 20, 30 minutes to get an Uber to go anywhere. And I just assumed Vegas had some sort of event, despite masks everywhere and all that, social distancing protocols and the like. And finally got an Uber, and, and the guy said, no. Uh, we, we don't have any drivers said uh, people are making more on their unemployment than they are driving. So they're staying home. I said, well, why are you driving? He says, well, because I'm addicted to steak and strippers or steak and steak and hookers is what he said. Uh, yes, he actually said that. Uh, and they cost more than what I get in unemployment. Um, so he was driving because he needed to pay for hookers and, and expensive steak. Uh, expensive hookers, hopefully. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, that, that was just a true story. Tell you, man, things in Vegas. Um, but a lot of people stayed home, and they stayed home, and many people got paid more staying home than went to work. So that reduced the number of people in jobs. Well, people had spending money because they were making more, again, staying home, and they had time on their hands because they were staying home, and there were nobody working, so people had to raise prices, wage wages to get people to come back to deal with the demand. It still didn't work, but as uh, incomes rose and people started getting $15, $20, $30 an hour to come into work, uh, prices had to rise. On top of that, then, you had the lack of supply of fuel. The lack of supply of fuel has had more impact on prices than anything else because it used to take 
uh, $500 to fill up a, an 18-wheeler. Now it takes seven dollars $800 to fill up an 18-wheeler. Well, those two to $300, they get passed on to consumers. That raises the, the, the rate. Well, then you've got the beef prices, and the beef prices go up because of the hauling trucks to the slaughterhouses and from the slaughterhouse to the meat packing plants and from the meat packing plants to the to the grocery stores you got to pay for fuel in those you got to pay for the power for the equipment you got to pay the power for the machines all of the costs go up and then grain costs started going up because of shortages in the world that was in large part related to ukraine but not just there have been droughts around the world as well so those prices go up when the cost of grain goes up the cost of beef goes up for that as well not just gas the cost of poultry goes up because grain prices go up on and on it goes, then the cycles repeat. So there is a huge supply issue, but there was a demand issue as well. And that was what Larry Summers was warning about. So on the demand side of things, you're putting more money into the economy than the economy needs. And when the economy has more money than it needs, prices go up. We've been, inflation's been around for thousands of years. We only started understanding it about a thousand years ago, but when you dump too much money into an economy, prices go up. And that's what the Democrats did. A friend of mine is texting me during the show on this, and he says he feels like we're being held hostage. Um, he says, I think there's a strategy to maximize pain and force someone like Joe Manchin to pass a bill to fix inflation that contains some token gas and oil energy perks, but 90% of the bill is a massive green energy subsidy uh, that goes to Chinese imports. Biden's policies are intentional and they're working as designed. The energy sector destruction and inflation are intended results. Americans are too stupid and ungrateful. They can't see the brilliant master plan of foundation that's leading this incredible transition. In other words, you don't know what's good for you. And that, unfortunately, is becoming a mantra of the Democrats, that you don't know what's good for you. You don't appreciate just how good things are. Listen to Joe Biden. Look at the state of the economy right now. Look at the state of Joe Biden's economy. And now listen to this clip. Communities that come to life around investment. Families that can envision the future yeah I, I i'm for some reason the audio says it's coming in high but it's not uh and i'm i'm having trouble hearing it myself but what he's saying there is that uh it's time to put a nail in the coffin of supply side economics of trickle down economics of essentially reagan economics that that's what joe biden is trying to claim that we need to put an end to reagan era supply side uh, trickle down, as he calls it, economics. Last I checked, Ronald Reagan's economy was doing better than Joe Biden's economy. Ronald Reagan's economy is outperforming in every benchmark after he fixed the Jimmy Carter era policies. And Joe Biden wants to get away from that. Joe Biden thinks it's bad. Joe Biden thinks that uh, we need to move on to something else. <laughs> Yeah, his, his the whole audio there is screwed up. You can get the applause. Their microphone was screwed up. I guess, what is that? Some sort of, oh, it's the Summit of the Americas. So the Biden administration screwed up his own audio. They were in charge of it. That tells you everything you need to know. Well, let's go to Janet Yellen. Do you know who Cardi B is? Sure. So Cardi B. I mean, I don't have that much time for it, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm alive, you know. So Cardi B tweets out over the weekend, 
when y'all going to announce there's a recession coming? And so I wanted you to react to what Cardi B is saying. Don't look to me to announce it. <laughs> I'm not going to announce it. I don't, th I don't think we're going to have a recession. I don't think we're going to have a recession. Everyone else disagrees with her. J.P. Morgan, Deutsche Bank, Credit Suisse, Royal Bank, Scotland, um, the Federal Reserve, everybody thinks we're going to have a recession. But Janet Yellen, the woman who said inflation would be transitory, says we're not going to have a recession. I, I want to put this in perspective for you in real world terms. Joe Biden's job approval is at another new low in another poll. This time it's the NPR National Public Radio Marist poll, 38 to 53. His disapproval has improved a bit. It was 56% disapprove, but only 38% approve. He's at 39% approval, 52 disapprove with people who are regular voters. With all Americans, it's 38-53. Now, let me give you the actual approval numbers. Among all Americans, it is 38 approve, 53 disapprove. Among registered voters, it's 39 approve, 52 disapprove. That's statistical anomaly, basically the same. Among Democrats, only 74% approve, which is significant because Trump never got below the 90s. 14% disapprove. In other words, uh, there's a significant portion of Democrats in there who disapprove but don't want to say they disapprove. Among Republicans, it's 3% approve, 93% disapprove. Among independents, this is his problem, 32% approval, 58 disapprove. Among men, 36% approve, 58% disapprove. Among women, 40% approve, 47% disapprove. He's underwater with women, which is notable. Among white voters, 36% approve, 60% disapprove. Among non-white voters, 47% approve, 43% disapprove. That's actually a bad number for him for non-white voters. Under 45 voters, 36% approval, 53 disapprove. That's not good because young voters tend to be more Democrat. And then above 45, 40% approve, 52% disapprove. Now, let's break this down with something else here. Among college-educated voters, 52% approval, 41% disapprove. That tells you everything you need to know about why the Democratic Party is having problems right now. When a majority of Americans disapprove, but college-educated voters approve, you have a massive disconnect among the college-educated crowd. Among those with no college, it's 29% approve, 60% disapprove. Among white college-educated voters, 49% approve, 47% disapprove. Among white, non-college educated, 2269. Now, here's where it gets very interesting. White, college educated men, only 38% approve. White, college educated men, 38 approve, 59 disapprove. Non-college educated men, white, it's 1774. Among white, non-college educated women, it's 2663. The only place Joe Biden does well with white voters is white college-educated women, 6134. 61% of college-educated white women approve. The Karens like Joe Biden. Yes, I said it. I'm sorry if your name is Karen, but you know what I mean. 
Um, that's terrible, terrible polling. When only white college-educated women are propping you up there and you're still underwater overall with white voters, that's bad because white voters are still the dominant political force in this country. They don't vote the way non-white voters do. Non-white voters tend to align with a particular party. White voters tend to be split, but when you are uniformly opposed by white voters, 33 to 60%, you have a real problem. You have a very real problem. Uh, when your non-white vote is 47, 43, you've got a real problem because that's the strength of black voters. Hispanic and Asian voters are rapidly moving away from the Democratic Party. They're rapidly moving away from Joe Biden. His polling is atrocious right now, and it's starting to freak out the Democrats nationally. The Democrats nationally are starting to have major, major uh, anxiety about Joe Biden. According to the New York Post, in other polling out there today, Joe Biden is at 22% among young adults and 24% among Hispanics. This is the Quinnipiac poll. The Quinnipiac poll is one this White House has always loved. The Quinnipiac poll is one the Democrats have loved. Among young adults, it's 54 disapprove, 22 approve. Among Hispanics, it's 58 disapprove, 22 approve. It is actually... Joe Biden's worst approval rating for Hispanic voters ever or for uh, in the Quinnipiac poll among uh, all voters. It's at 33 percent approval. Thirty three percent approval rating in Quinnipiac is the worst ever. That's really bad for Joe Biden. Brutal, brutal numbers. On top of all of that. Turns out last night's committee. January 6th committee did not get a ton of viewers. They were trying their best to shape a narrative and they didn't get the viewers they needed. And his polling is not only bad, but it's headed lower. CNN and MSNBC today at one o'clock started their program with the January 6th story. Fox News started the 1 p.m. hour with the inflation numbers that are new today. Fox News has more viewers than CNN and MSNBC combined in the one o'clock hour. The American public is feeling the pain at the pump, the gas prices. January 6th has nothing on that. January 6th is not going to reset things for the Democrats. We're going to talk about January 6th at the bottom of the hour. But what you need to know is that Joe Biden's got doom coming for him at the polls and the Democrats do too. When we come back, the New Yorker or New York magazine rather is openly now talking about what the Democrats are saying behind the scenes. Joe Biden cannot run a second term. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing. And I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use. And now I've got them as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, uh, my gosh, you get all sorts of options, great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. Uh, more importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, um, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, you can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, 
You can also explore crypto. They've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, they've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it. And I settled on SoFi and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities LLC. Member FINRA. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on the program. I got to read you this. This is from New York Magazine. Here's the title. It's from Gabriel De Benedetti. There has to be a backup plan. There's a backup plan, right? Inside the 2024 soul-searching that's happening in every corner of the Democratic Party. On a Tuesday evening in April, nearly half a century after Joe Biden first publicly mused about running for president, an unsettled cross-section of the Democratic establishment assembled at Pinehurst, a golf resort in North Carolina. Inflation was at a 40-year high, Biden's disapproval rating set at 56%, and editors of the New York Times were readying a front-page report about how his signature achievement, $1.9 trillion in coronavirus relief spending, had barely registered with voters. The lobbyists, donors, staffers, and elected officials were gathering for the spring policy meeting of the Democratic Governors Association. And the scheduled sessions concern such topics as health care and diversity in governance. But between panel discussions, in the hallways, and at the cocktail reception on the lawn, conversations shifted from grim, the midterms, to grimmer. The state of the party's planning for 2024, when Biden will stand for re-election on the eve of his 82nd birthday. Biden hasn't formally announced his campaign for a second term, but in his mind, there's no question he's running. That's my expectation, he said early in his tenure. Yes, he told an interviewer nine months later, sighing a little performatively and having to keep repeating it. It's been his life, says one of his longtime advisors. It's like a shark that keeps swimming. It's how he stays alive. Or as another top Democrat put it, he was told in 16 he couldn't cut it. He runs in 20 and everybody rolls their eyes and he still wins. So why in the world now would he be like, you guys are right, I am old. And yet many of the plugged in Democrats wandering Pinehurst, not entirely persuaded, calculating contingencies, if Biden's health turned or if his polling truly collapsed. Which of the party's governors might step up and save them from electoral ruin and the nightmare of a Trump comeback? That is New York Magazine. Not exactly a Republican-oriented publication. And they're openly talking about they got to move on from Joe Biden. I would just like to say I I, I use language some of you would not be pleased with me using on social media. 
I, I used a, an alternative phrase from poop show. But it's a poop show in the White House. And at this point, Joe Biden should probably just take credit for beating Donald Trump and move on from the poop show of this administration and hand it over to an authentic poop show, Kamala Harris's office, because they're both disasters. They're both disasters. Real clear politics. I tell you guys all the time, pay attention to the polling average. Real clear politics is polling average. Has Joe Biden's approval at a record low? It has never been lower than it is today in the real clear politics polling average. It is below 39%. It's a disaster for the Democrats in November. It's a disaster. And January 6th is not going to help. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I want to talk candidly, honestly, openly, about what happened on television last night, the January 6th committee hearing. The ratings, you should know, are coming in, and they're not good. Not a lot of people watched, which is what I suspected and what I said, and people got mad at me for saying no one would care. Now, I think it was a strategic mistake to spend 37 minutes on opening statements, although Liz Cheney's opening statement was far better than Benny Thompson's. The congressman from uh, Mississippi, if you're a progressive Democrat, I'm sure you ate it up, but nobody else did. And this is the problem, I think, that the committee and the press have together. Chris Wallace on CNN uh, was openly critical of what he saw as collaboration between the press and the Democrats on this issue. It makes it less credible. Uh, Kudos to Chris Wallace for pointing that out. The reality is these members of Congress promised something new, major revelations of things never before seen, and then spent 37 minutes boring us to death. 15 minutes lecturing us on American history where Congressman Thompson of Mississippi basically called his constituents racists. It was a bad, bad move. And the problem here is, again, if you're a progressive Democrat, you probably ate it up and nobody else did. And if you really want Americans to care about this, you need to get outside your bubble and think about how the world sees what's going on in the world today and not how you see the world. You've got to relate to other people. And the Democrats who put this on, including the former president of ABC News, are clearly in such a bubble that they cannot relate. Now, a word about Liz Cheney. I like Liz Cheney. I like Dick Cheney. I like Liz Cheney's mother. I know them. Uh, I would not say they're friends. We are friendly. Dick Cheney invited me up to the vice president's house before he left being vice president. We got to hang out. I've known Liz. She's come to my uh, conferences at Red State back in the day. I've known uh, her mom for a while. I I adore the family. They are patriotic Americans. And contrary to the cynics out there who dislike Liz Cheney because of what she's doing, I think she genuinely cares about our democracy, about our constitutional institutions. And she's doing this because she sees Donald Trump as a threat and she wants to raise awareness. Unfortunately, when she does interviews, she comes across as someone very much like Brad Raffensperger in Georgia these days, that she just wants to strike a match and burn it all down, uh, pox on all their houses. And that's no way to build up support from your own side to get some level of buy-in or at least to get people to leave 
leave you alone and let you do your job. If she just made it about what happened, if she just made it about the facts, if she didn't go after the Republicans in Congress, I think that she would have more members of Congress on her side, at least willing to turn a blind eye to what she's doing instead of punching back. But I think she cares. And I think you should care. And I think what we saw from the January 6th committee hearing last night was that contrary to what some of you have called in here and said, there actually was an organized effort to storm the United States Capitol by a group of people. And the most amazing thing to come out of that last night was a video that put the timeline in order with never-before-seen security footage so you could see how the Proud Boys, particularly a group from Arizona, reacted in response to statements Donald Trump was making on stage and then on, on Twitter when he condemned the vice president of the United States, they began to go look for Mike Pence and build a gallows. They wanted to kill the vice president. It was useful to see because some of you have fallen under the delusion that what happened was peaceful and there were no riots. What happened was peaceful and there was no violence. And what happened was peaceful and it was the good guys who were going into the Capitol and the bad guys were the police who stopped them. No, you have it backwards. There is a group of malcontented people who have made politics their religion and government their God, and they stormed the U.S. Capitol to stop the Congress from voting on the Electoral College because they thought the election was stolen. The other thing that was very notable is that so many of the loud voices on the right who have said the election was stolen privately were saying it was not. From Mark Meadows to Ivanka Trump to Sean Hannity, all of them recognized the election was not stolen. All of them said so either in text messages to each other or in private messages to each other or under oath before this investigative committee that there wasn't enough evidence to show the election was stolen. There were problems. No one's denied there weren't problems. Yes, there's always shenanigans. There's always hanky-panky. Not enough to affect the outcome of the election. Spare me your phone calls because the point of the matter is that Mark Meadows and Sean Hannity and Ivanka Trump and Jared Trump and all the others knew it as well. They just weren't brave enough to tell you publicly because they didn't want to make you mad. I don't care. The other thing to note is that this is a matter of religion. The people who stormed that Capitol, who smashed those windows and went in to hang Mike Pence are in a religion, not Christianity. They are in a cult of personality. They worshiped a politician who let them down. They replaced God with government. They found their religion and their salvation in fighting for Donald Trump's election. And in so doing, many of them are going to get carted off to jail. This is what happens when you allow your politics to consume your religion and affect your religion and twist your religion. And when your faith is conformed to your politics instead of your politics to your faith, you storm a U.S. Capitol to stop something because God is no longer on your side. God is a politician on his way out the door as opposed to the immortal, invisible, almighty God who created all things, who's always on your side if you put your trust in him and through whom you cannot lose because he's already won. Instead, these people gave all of that up for this moment shining ignorance storming the U.S. Capitol. But also, all of the stuff they said, other than that chronological video that they said was going to be new and never before seen, has already been leaked to the press. One of the major stunning revelations from Mark Milley is that uh, it was Vice President Pence who ordered the National Guard, contrary to earlier reports that Donald Trump authorized it. It was Mike Pence, except that's already been leaked. We've known this for a year. We've known it was Mike Pence who picked up the phone and said, bring in the National Guard, not Donald Trump. 
We've known Bill Barr, the Attorney General of the United States, quit his job because he was tired of trying to do cleanup for a stolen election that his investigation showed was not stolen, and he walked away from the job. We know he told Donald Trump that. We know Jared and Ivanka Kushner uh, believed that the election was not stolen and walked away from it. That was in the paper before the hearing started yesterday, day before yesterday. All of these surprise, stunning new revelations are things that have leaked to the press in the last several weeks and haven't had an impact on anything. And then there's something else. Nobody's going to care. This is the one Democrats get very angry about. Democrats get very angry when you tell them no one's going to care about the January 6th committee. I I think people need to care about January 6th. I think it was bad. I think there was a cult of personality. I think a lot of people were lied to. And I think there were a lot of malcontented, um, malicious souls who didn't care about the lies. They just wanted to go fight Congress on behalf of Donald Trump uh, for an election they knew wasn't stolen, but that they pretended was stolen to give them pretense to claim they were acting in good faith. There were a bunch of liars, conmen, charlatans, grifters, frauds, and malcontented, malicious malicious, violent souls who are going to go to jail, and they should. And I think if this committee was super concerned with what Donald Trump did, instead of doing a spectacle on television that no one watched, they should hand all the evidence over to a prosecutor and tell the prosecutor, prosecute him, here's our evidence. Instead, they're doing this because they don't really have the evidence to meet the standards for a criminal prosecution, or they would have gone that way. More so, this is what should have happened after January 6th. They should have, in the impeachment, done exactly what they're doing now. This should have been the impeachment trial, and they might have gotten 60 votes in the Senate. Maybe not, but they didn't even try then. They waited a year and a half when nobody cared and were on to other things, and nobody's going to care now. They, the Democrats, screwed this up. If you care greatly about it, you should blame the Democrats for waiting this long and making it a campaign stunt on which to fundraise than a fact-finding mission for a prosecutor. And ultimately, people are much more concerned about gas. And this is what drives Democrats bonkers, that people are more concerned with the here and now than what happened January 6th. I'm sorry, but you're not going to get Americans to care about what happened on January 6th when you don't care about high gas prices. And your lectures are about battery-powered cars instead of getting more oil out of the ground. The American people aren't going to care about your issue because you don't care about their issue. Back to Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace on CNN is getting some criticism from the left for having the audacity to say the truth. That watching the media and the Democrats together collaborate on this issue, coordinate this issue, and roll this story out is discrediting to the issue. The very same media that is coordinating, collaborating, and protecting the Democrats on the issue of energy and inflation is coordinating and collaborating and protecting them on the issue of January 6th. Liz Cheney's opening statement last night was almost a plea for prosecution. There was text and there was subtext. The text was, here's what happened. You were all lied to. Here's the proof that Sean Hannity, Mark Meadows, Ivanka Trump, and the like all knew the election wasn't stolen. We have their text messages. We have their depositions. Here it is which if you've been paying attention, you've heard all this before. But what you also heard there was some subtext of Merrick Garland, why aren't you prosecuting Donald Trump? And again, if there was something by which the prosecutors could prosecute, I would think they would prosecute. 
but yet they're not prosecuting, which suggests to me that there is not a reasonable doubt standard that can be met on this issue. There's not a reasonable doubt standard by which the president of the former president of the United States can be prosecuted. So instead, there's a spectacle done a year and a half after the event that no one cares about because people are too concerned with their price of gas. People watched or did not watch the spectacle last night and at some point this weekend will fill up their car with gas and realize they don't have enough money to make ends meet because of gas prices. And the Democratic solution to that is for you to go get out of your car or truck and buy a battery-powered vehicle that you can't afford. The bottom line is that that is a much bigger issue right now than anything regarding January 6th. And if the Democrats really want you to care about January 6th, they need to care about gas prices and do more than lecture you on battery-powered vehicles and power grids. But they're not going to do that. Because as much as they believe Republicans are in a cult of personality with Donald Trump, the Democrats are in a cult of personality with a bunch of radical environmentalists. They have their own cult that they are beholden to. And the media is in it as well. So the media can't hold them accountable. The media cannot call the Democrats out on this stuff because the media is complicit in all of it. So you are stuck paying higher prices. And you are stuck struggling to make ends meet. And you are stuck dealing with grocery prices because this administration is stuck in the mud, unable to do anything outside the dogmatic thinking of the progressive environmentalist left. So they want you to care about January 6th instead and distract you with drama and supposed never-before-seen footage of an event that happened a year and a half ago that was completely unsuccessful. Joe Biden is president of the United States. He is president of the United States in large part because of the courage of a man named Mike Pence, who when history called, he did the right thing, and his reward from the Democrats was to be vilified as a Christian conservative. But he did the right thing at the time. There are always going to be nutters in politics. There are always nuts and insane people. We saw 3% of Georgia Republicans vote for the insane woman, Candace Taylor, and another 20% vote for David Perdue for his chaotic mission over a stolen election that was not stolen. There are always insane people in politics. You'll never get rid of the insane people in politics. But you, the Democrats, do not have to cater to the insanity on your side any more than Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, or Mike Pence, the former vice president of the United States, catered to crazy on their side. They chose not to and came out looking really good. You Democrats, on the other hand, have decided to cater towards the crazy on your side and you're bankrupting American families and forcing people to choose between gas or groceries. The American people hate your guts right now and your spectacle of January 6th is not going to matter in the end because you have lost touch with the American people so absorbed with your hatred for one man, you cannot find it in your hearts to love the American people and help them because deep down, you blame them for voting for him in 2016 instead of Hillary Clinton. That's just the reality. Now, let's clear the air with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm because if you go to EdenPureDeals.com, you can get three of them right now for less than $200, which is actually an incredible deal because each of them costs more than $100, but you can get three of them for less than $200, even with inflation right now. This is an incredible deal. You go to uh, EdenPureDeals.com and you put in my discount code, Eric3, E-R-I-C-K-3. 
You'll get three of them for less than $200. You'll even get free shipping. Now, the Impure Thunderstorm is actually an air purifier that eliminates odors. So I use it in my kitchen, for example, when I'm frying because we don't have an exhaust fit in the kitchen. In fact, I made onion rings the other day. Ha <laughs> ha, my thumb, yes. I made onion rings the other day in the house and uh, the fry odor stunk afterwards. You can still smell it. You can still smell the underring. So I plugged in the Eden Pure Thunderstorm and it wiped out the odors. But it doesn't just get rid of odors. It gets rid of the mildew, the mold, the dust, the pollen that's floating in the air. And you get three of them. You plug it into the wall. You can use a USB cord and plug it in that way as well. But you get one for upstairs, downstairs. Or like me, you keep a third one in your rental car or your, your suitcase for your rental car or your hotel. You get three of them for less than $200 by going to EdenPureDeals.com. Use my discount code, Eric. Three E R I C K three at EdenPureDeals.com. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Uh, longtime friends of mine, the Frost family, they have been helping businesses become big businesses since the early 90s. They want to help your business, but we're talking big loans, $750,000 or more, where you see a potential for something that banks aren't seeing. They want to help you get to yes, where banks are saying no. Reach out to them at firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. It does not matter where your business is located as long as it's in the United States. They want to be able to help you. Now, let me go take this phone call from Steve. Steve, welcome to the program. How are you? Steve? Oh, Steve is distracted. All right. I'm going to come back to Steve. We'll put Steve back on hold, and I'll come back to Steve. It sounds like he was ordering his lunch. I don't want to stand between a man and his lunch. So when we come back, I'm going to talk to Steve, but then we got to move on to a story I don't want to talk about. <laughs> don't you love it? Uh, yes. Um, the full disclosure, we have to move on to a story I don't want to talk about, but this is a news talk program, and it is news, so we must talk about it. Oh, the Uvalde school shooting. The students, though shot, were alive. And the police waited an hour to storm the room. And those children died, not because they were shot, but because over an hour they bled out. Turns out their teacher who was killed died en route to the hospital because they waited so long to go in and get her. Um, we have to talk about this story. I want you to know I'm respectful of people's um, sensitivities. And many of you have kids in the car with you this afternoon. So I, I will be good in talking about this. We won't talk about monkeypox with kids in the car today. How about that? But we got to talk about this story. I'm also happy to take your phone calls. I want to take Steve's phone call when we come back, uh, if he's, he's finished with his order or what have you. 877 973 7425. There's also a lot of other news out there today that uh, we've got to get to beyond the economic stuff because it turns out uh, that uh, Democrats are now starting to embrace the, uh, embrace the Abraham Accords. They're trying to set up some strategic partnerships between Israel and Arab allies in the Middle East after years of ridiculing Donald Trump for doing it. And then there's this fantastic story. Geico has been ordered to pay $5.2 million to a woman. She claims she caught an STD while having sex in her car. And as a result, Geico has to pay her $5.2 million. 
15 minutes could earn you $5.2 million, except in this case, it was probably 30 seconds earned her $5.2 million. <laughs> Can you believe a jury did this? A court did this? Oh, I got the details on this story, but uh, I'll take Steve's call. I'll take your calls, and we got to get into, the, unfortunately, the Yavaldi story. 877-973-7425. TGIF, y'all. It has been a long week already, has it not? We'll be back right here on the Eric Erickson Show nationwide from my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta, Georgia.